Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by the head coach of the Fighting Irish hockey team, Jeff Jackson. Coach, always good to talk to you. How's your summer going? Uh, it's flying by, as usual. Uh, just trying to get a little R&R before uh, we go full throttle here in a few weeks. Well, let's just talk for a moment about the team you've assembled for the upcoming season. I know the transfer portal is something you used to your advantage last year, bringing in guys like Goleida and, and Karashek, among others, and you've dipped back into the transfer portal once again. I guess, what was your goal going into the offseason using the transfer portal? Well, a big part of it is, you know, who's available. And we, uh, when we lost a few recruits in, in the fall, you know, we made the decision that, that we instead of trying to find players of a high caliber uh, that are younger is to just wait until, you know, the transfer portal showed up. And, and you know, the, the players, I give uh, Andy Slaggart a lot of credit. You know, he kind of, you know, did his due diligence on, uh, you know, several different players that we had interest in. And, you know, we wanted to add a little bit, of, you know, a little bit of offense if we could find it. Um, you know, and, and obviously finding Chase Primo and and uh, Jackson Pearson up front, I think, is going to really help us, you know, with the offsets of the losses of Graham Slager and Max Ellis specifically. Uh, so hopefully that's going to help us. And then, you know, adding Ben Brinkman on the back end, along with uh, a freshman, Michael Master Domenico, we think that, you know, we, we, we don't think we'll lose too much in the back end, especially uh, bringing in not a grad transfer, but an undergrad transfer in Drew Bavaro, um, who we think is going to also give us a little bit more offense. I know from day one when you arrived, Coach, it was all about creating a really good hockey culture here. And I would assume you have such a strong culture that enables you to bring in guys into the transfer portal because it seemed like, for example, Karashek and those guys last year, it was really easy for them to fit into the team concept. Yeah, it was. I mean, and that's why, you know, you have to do your, your background checks on kids, make sure that they're going to be good fits. You know, we knew a little bit about Chase Primo. We knew, you know, we recruited Ben Brinkman uh, when he, before he went to Minnesota. Um, so, uh, you know, Jackson Durston's an Indiana boy that uh, played at Culver. So we had a, you know, a pretty good uh, background on him as well. So, you know, I think yeah, the character check, making sure they fit into our culture is a big part of it. But I felt good about the, the leadership we had, you know, um, bringing back uh, Nick Lieberman is going to be a, a big boost for us. And, and then also, you know, we have the two transfers from last year that are staying for another year. Both, uh, you know, Jack Adams had an extra year because of the injury he sustained uh, three or four years ago at Detroit's development camp and missed a whole, whole two years. And he just started showing real positive signs uh, in the second half of last year. And then Chase Blackman, also another uh, more of an offensive type defenseman, had an additional year because even though he was a grad transfer, he graduated after three years at UMass Lowell. 
So those guys, you know, are certainly going to help the, the, the seniors that we have in, in leading. You know, the, the, the two guys that came in here as transfers, I think they have a good grasp of what our culture is all about as well, along with Lieberman. And then, you know, between uh, 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 Trevor Janicki and uh, Solik Bakish and, you know, we have uh, our, our goaltender, Ryan Bischel. We, we have a good junior class, Jesse Lansell. You know, so we're going to have, again, we're going to be very similar to last year as far as being a little bit older, which is a little bit more experienced and, and allow us to play against some of the older teams that we'll face throughout the year. Irish head coach Jeff Jackson, my guest. Primo is a pretty popular name in the NHL circles. Uh, his dad, of course, Keith, played in the National Hockey League. I remember the time he fought his younger brother and had to apologize to mom and dad after the fight. So you've had a lot of very familiar last names come through your program, including, you know, obviously Ryder Ralston is still in the program. Is this something that have to do with you've been involved in this game for so long that you know a lot of these dads, that there's already built-in relationships in a lot of these cases? Well, I mean, the, the, the guys that are uh, the sons of coaches or sons of NHL players, I mean, you, you cross paths, and, and let's face facts, they do their due diligence, too, before, you know, uh, like Primo coming here. I'm sure that, uh, you know, that Brian Ralston probably talked to, uh, you know, Keith Primo uh, about our program, and I know that that goes on behind the scenes, and you hope that, you know, that you get good recommendations from players that played at the highest level and coaches, you know, that are coaching at the highest level uh, for their sons to make that decision to come to Notre Dame. I think it's not just about the hockey side of it. It is, it is about the, the, the environment here. Uh, it is about the culture. It's about the academics. There's a lot of positive things above and beyond our hockey program that, you know, that people are aware of, and especially people that are hockey people. I know the answer to this question should be everybody, but are you anticipating one or two guys or you're hoping there's one or two guys that are going to make a big jump this season? Yeah, I think we always expect that. I mean, I think just based on the, the second half of last year, I think uh, Justin Janicki started showing signs of what we expected when we recruited him. Uh, and then, you know, his line mate, Hunter Strand, uh, is another guy that I thought took real positive strides for us uh, in the second half of last year. And the third guy of that line, even though he's a he's a 25-year-old player, you know, Jack Adams, that whole line, you know, was our fourth line for the majority of the first half of the year. And then in the second half of the year, they start moving up the depth chart. And, you know, by the national championships, um, I, I felt like they were our second line at times, um, you know, producing offensively and also – you know, grasping how to play without the puck. And uh, so I would expect, you know, two or all three of those guys to take a, a, a real big step. And, you know, you always hope that, you know, other guys, I think that there's still more room for Ryder Ralston. There's still more room for, uh, you know, other players to take a big step. I think Grant Silinoff's another guy that we're hoping that can find a way to take another step. Uh, but I, I think that we've got a number of guys that potentially could uh, – you know, take a big step, similar to what Max Ellis took last year. You mentioned Nick Lieberman a couple of moments ago. A pleasant surprise that he's back for the upcoming season. As you look at what he might be able to accomplish this year, I think we all know that, you know, he could be a minor league hockey player right now. It didn't work out with Colorado. What can he achieve this season to not only help this hockey team, but also his future? Well, I think a big part of it's going to be leadership. You know, I think he was a, he was a, 
a secondary leader last year, um, you know, and I'm hoping he takes a big step in that area, which is, you know, it's also something that's going to help in his development as a player. Uh, but, I mean, on the ice, you know, we've been talking to Nick for three or four years now about trying to find a way to be a little bit more consistent defensively, um, especially in his own end, you know, is to become a penalty killer and be willing to pay the price, you know, blocking shots or winning battles at the net front. You know, those are areas that I think are going to really help him at the next level. He's got the offensive tools. He can skate. He's got good vision. Uh, he, you know, he can shoot the puck. You know, he does a lot of good things offensively, but I think the key for him, you know, is going to be his defensive game and, and how he plays, especially in our own end. I want to ask you a little coaching question because we got into this during a press conference last year. I think there was a discussion about our penalty kill being much improved, and there was a discussion about how you, you kind of take things from different teams and maybe you guys picked up something from Carolina. I'm wondering, when coaches call you, what is a common question or something they're trying to grab from you and your experience as a coach? I think that, you know, for the most part, especially, you know, talking to former guys that worked here that are coaching now, I think that they, they know how I coach. And, you know, really, I think it goes back several years where we really started putting much more uh, emphasis on, on the details of the game. And, you, and not necessarily skills like passing, receiving, uh, skating, puck handling. I'm, I'm talking about details, about you know uh, some of the key concepts about protecting the puck. Uh, every player, exception of the goaltender, can protect the puck. The defenseman on the breakout can use his body to protect the puck. A forward in the offensive zone or off the rush. You know, puck protection has become really, really important. And uh, I think things like that, defensive sticks or stick details. Uh, are really crucial. Uh, I, I call, uh, you know, to go along with puck protection, separation skills, is trying to find a way to separate from a defender, from a four checker, whatever. Um, you know, just little things like that um, are things that, you know, that, you know, we talk about a lot as a staff, but, you know, when people do talk to me about things that we focus on within our system or within the tactics of the game, it's really about the details that allow your tactics to become successful. Coach, I'm going to ask you about one of your former players just for a second, Anders Lee of the Islanders coming off ACL surgery. It looked like he really refound his game as the season went on last year. Uh, Two-part question. First off, how many times have you had a player have an ACL injury? It's not something you hear about in the NHL very often. Yeah, ACLs are tough. Um, they, they basically cost you a whole year. Um, you know, recovery, recuperation, rehab, all that is really a big factor. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a major, you know, it's a major type of a surgery. And um, for the knee, I mean, you're basically repairing a torn ligament that controls your knee. And, you know, it takes, it takes a good year to, to get acclimated, reacclimated to the game. And, you know, there's always some nervousness when you first start, you know, getting back on the ice and, you know, it's all about those those lateral movements and your cutting and your ability to stop and start. All those things are impacted uh, by your knees and and certainly the ACL. And you know, I think that it's uh, it's it's the devastating injury. I mean, you know, major injuries for hockey probably are all tied to the knees uh, and 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 the shoulders and the head now. Uh, so, like any injuries to to those those specific areas. 
you know, they're generally some time uh, for recuperation, but the knee is probably the most prevalent. Take me back a decade ago. Anders Lee was the sixth round pick of the Islanders. If he was not an outstanding football quarterback, would his draft day have been a whole lot different? In football or hockey? Hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, know, you know, I think, I mean, his athleticism and his commitment to his body, his physical, uh, I mean, he is a man amongst boys. He always has been, but he always worked at it. And I think because he was a football player, he might have been a little bit slow twitch muscle fiber. Um, you know, football is more a power, explosive power uh, from a standing position. He was a quarterback, so he had a little bit more as far as his, you know, the mobility aspect. But, like, you train differently as a football player than you do a hockey player. And, you know, I think, you know, Anders always had a little bit of a problem with his foot speed, and he worked on it religiously when he was at Notre Dame. And, you know, uh, Tony Relinsky did a great job in helping him with that process. He worked hard at becoming a better skater and like you know now he's you know he's a powerful skater he's he, he may not be as fleet of foot as some guys but he gets to the same place almost at the same time because of his competitiveness and and he also very smart uh very smart hockey player that you know used the sat to create an advantage for him as well but you know anders you know deserves the success he's had and you know he's earned everything he's gotten and you know i'm proud of what he's done not just on the ice but you know the the fact that we had three guys uh up for the the finalists for awards for you know service in the community uh in the national hockey league three out of 32 guys you know says a lot to me about what notre dame does you know in, in impacting these guys in more ways than just as athletes and you know that's something we're proud of and you know anders certainly deserves recognition for his uh his contributions not just to the game but also to to the community and that's something you stress, and that's something your guys are always involved with. Here's the community, so you deserve a lot of credit for, you know, putting them in position to continue to do this going forward. Now, as an old goaltender, I got to ask you about your one goalie right now, the NHL, Cal Peterson with the LA Kings. I'm wondering if you've seen much of him the last couple of years, how much he has developed, and how close he is to being a number one goaltender in the NHL. Well, you know, he took a step backwards last year. You know, I try to follow. I try to follow his progress. You know, I think that they're waiting for him to take that next step. Uh, you know, before Jonathan Quick retires. Um, you know, I, I thought he took a huge step two years ago. I haven't seen him up close and personal in a few years because of COVID. We didn't have our pro camp and didn't really get a chance to to work. You know, to work with him on the ice or see him on the ice. Uh, I see him in games. You know, and I know his stats took a little bit of a. A bump, you know, he's not an 89% save yep. percentage goaltender. You know, when he was here, he was well over 92%. And, and that's what he's going to have to be back at if he wants to become that pure number one goaltender. He has the ability, you know, I, I, there's this, you know, I always have a sneaking suspicion. I mean, the mental part of his game was always the thing that I always tried to encourage him to develop the mental toughness, the aspect of being able to drop stuff, forget things. You know, get right back into the groove when you do make a mistake or whatever. Uh, I remember after that final loss in his first year, I think it was a UMass Lowell. He broke down in tears, and yep. and, and and it was because because of that. And I remember I had a bottle of white out in my my travel bag, and I gave it to him. And I think he still keeps it. And he needs to remember, you know, that that's the biggest part of his game is finding a way to 
you know, to deal with adversity or to be able to bounce back after a poor goal against or, you know, maybe having a tough night, just having that resiliency. I mean, he's, 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 he's a mentally tough kid, but he's also, you know, he's a, he, he is, he is a, a soft kid emotionally. Yeah. Um, that's why it's so easy to get along with him. He's a sweet kid, you know, and he needs to get a little bit of a nasty streak in how he, how he plays the position. I, I, I think that's a huge component to his, his overall future. This is probably an answer that could take two hours, but I'll ask it, and maybe you can give the, the cliff note version. But for fans out there that watch sports, hockey is so different from baseball, football, and basketball. It's pretty simple, Coach. When you go to the draft, you get drafted. Then you go to the minors or you go to the top level and from there. Hockey is so different, and I think some fans were kind of caught off guard that the Minnesota goalie left for the NHL last year, right in the middle of our season. Is there anything that can be done in the collective bargaining or any handshake agreement between college and the NHL to avoid these type of awkward situations? I think it's awkward for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I think there should be, you know, there should be more of a relationship between the NHL and, and the NCAA uh, college level. Um, I know there is in my conversations with Mike Bray. I know there is in the NBA um, with, you know, with college basketball. And a big part of that is our coaches association, you know, doesn't drive things uh, the way basketball does. And, you know, I think that we were heading that direction when we first started College Hockey Incorporated, when we had Paul Kelly at the top. Yep. You know, I know that Jack Parker, myself, and Red Berenson, we were trying to push Paul to kind of take over our coaches association. And that just rubbed some people the wrong way, ruffled some feathers, and just, you know, politics gets involved, and all of a sudden, Paul's gone. And that was a huge loss to our sport. Um, when that happened, I cut ties with anything I deal with uh, anymore. I, I just focus on our program and try to stay, you know, I'm not as involved with the national level as I used to be because I am frustrated with our inability to, you know, to develop that relationship because, you know, back in the day, I mean, it had been unheard of for that to happen with Jack LaFontaine, you know, but now college hockey has gained so much respect by professional hockey that now, um, that, you know, it's not that hard for a kid to step right in and play in the NHL after just maybe one year, in some cases, not even one year of college hockey. So, um, you know, it's, it's it, it, the, the other part of it is the, the salary cap in the NHL has is, is caused college hockey players to be cheap labor. So kids get signed at the entry level, like a Max Ellis gets signed at an entry level, and all he's going to call, cost the Maple Leafs really is about eighty grand a year in the American League, even though it may look look big, like eight hundred thousand um, dollars. It's usually about eighty grand a year for the year the years you're in the American League, and you do get the signing bonus over three years. So um, hmm. the entry level contract is not, you know, that enticing. I remember back in the day when Brian Ralston signed when he played for me at Lake Superior State. He signed for like $3 million guaranteed, and it was a one-way contract. That does not exist anymore. Um, the entry-level contract is not a one-way contract, and you're not guaranteed to make one-way one money. So that has made college hockey a lot more um, you know, of a factor in pro yeah. hockey because we're, we're able to be cheap labor to, be, you know, to sign players to fill their American League system 
And then, you know, after two or three years, they find out if they could make it to the NHL. And if they can't, then they just go on to a new young guy, you know, fresh out of college. Two final questions for you, Coach. Finally, or one question would be, we had that hard-fought game against Minnesota State in the NCAA tournament. They won one to nothing. They're up one to nothing in the national championship game against Denver in the third period. I'm not a hockey coach. I'm just a fan and a broadcaster. It looked like they were trying to win the game one to nothing. Did they play differently against us than they tried to finish that game against Denver? You know, I think what it was is that, you know, they had not been there before. You know, they've been to the national tournament. They made the Frozen Four two years ago, and then they made the championship game last year. And I think they got a little tight when Denver tied that game. I think if we had we had a really good scoring chance yeah. in the third period um, against them, if we had scored that goal, I think we would have won the game. And it's very similar to what, you know, they experienced against Denver. Um you know, it was a very hard-fought game. They actually should have been up more than one nothing because they played very well in the early stages of that game. But Denver held on, and, you know, all of a sudden they scored a goal, and, and the tides changed. I mean, Denver took over that game. And, um, you know, I think that's just, you know, the big moment in, in going through that. We've gone through that in the Frozen Four as well, um, getting into that big moment and, and not being able to, to handle it. Um, the only team that overcame those kind of odds was the uh, cardiac kids uh, finding a way to, you know, elevate in the big moment. They did it every time except for the championship game. But, uh, you know, it is, it is. It's a psychological thing, and, and being under the microscope in that big moment is a, is a challenging thing for some, some players and some teams. All right, finally, I'm not going to try to get you in trouble, so I don't know what you can say, but but can you give me a, a little tease of maybe a couple of games that may show up on the Irish hockey schedule this year? Now, I saw BU release their schedule. I saw we are playing at BU, so I can throw that one out there. Yeah, I mean, we've got a good non-conference schedule this year. You know, the last couple of years, we, we really tried to uh, save the budget, so we played a lot of games at home of, against teams that are willing to come uh, for a guarantee, uh, but now we're back into a normal situation, so we want to try to play some better teams. We're in the icebreaker to start the year, so we start the season off against the national champions uh, at Denver, and then we play Air Force the second night. Um, we, we have Western Michigan home and home. Uh, we have Northern Michigan for a pair of games at home, hmm. and um, we also have Alaska coming in again uh, over New Year's uh, for a pair of games, and then we also go to Boston University, uh, followed by Boston College uh, that that following Friday night. So we play Wednesday, Friday against BU and BC. So that's wow. to get BU to come, come back to our building, and then we always have the single game against Boston College. Is the icebreaker in Denver? Yeah, but it's at Denver and at Air Force. Oh, okay. Very good. They're co-hosts. Wow, that is a heck of a schedule. We haven't even talked about the Big Ten where every game's difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a challenging year for us. We're going to have to take advantage when we have the opportunity because yeah. there's not going to be many soft games if there's any. Coach, thanks for doing this. Always great to catch up with you. I, I hope the fish are biting well up there in the north, and we look forward to getting you back here in South Bend as I know the hockey season will be here before we know it. Yeah, it's right around the corner, and I'm looking forward to another great year. All right. Coach, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Darren. Take care. All right.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 